Welcome to episode 137 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike sitting here with my boys ready to talk some wrestling. We got a full crew tonight. I know it's been a busy summer. I mean, there's not a ton happening in the world. Right now I'm watching the Ocho. The Savannah Bananas are on. I mean, the Women's World Cup is happening, which isn't like super, super popular as it is. But they're playing all the games at 2 o'clock in the morning. So who's up to watch that? Um... What else is going Oppenheimer and Barbie's popping off? So, I mean, if that's headline news, you know the wrestling has got to be good. And we're going to cover some great topics tonight. Uh, we are celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Mega Powers, maybe the greatest allies turned enemies uh, breakup. That happened right here in Wisconsin, where this podcast is based out of at the Bradley Center, which is no longer in existence anymore. But uh, we want to go back and, um, you know, talk about that rivalry and celebrate it because it kind of aligns with a lot of storylines that are happening today. And speaking of big storylines, there is a huge pay-per-view coming up at uh, the end of the month on the 26th, I believe, of August. It's at Wembley. It's all in. It's breaking some records. And we got some statistics to share with you that might floor you. So make sure you sit down and grip the steering wheel tight if you're listening in the car. But before we get into all that fun, topical information about wrestling, let's introduce the boys real quick. He's over in Glendale, likes to keep it regal. He is really keeping it regal tonight in this shirt. I'm mentioning it twice. He is Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grabby? Respect. Walk. What did you say? Respect. Walk. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Wow. Anything? Anything? Last night? Uh, I'm speechless. Oh, Pantera. Pantera. Our RVD went back to his uh, roots. Yeah, that was awesome. So I didn't see it live. I saw the text thread with you boys. I did see it on Instagram, and I heard the crowd was popping hard for that and singing along big with ratings it. I'm not too. A big, yeah, I'm not a big heavy metal guy. I know, Matt, that's like your shit. Uh, you a Pantera guy? Guy? Yeah, I actually am, believe it or not. And That's, when I heard the song, I kicking, really? Oh my God, this song, I immediately was like, what? And I did not hear any of the spoilers that RVD was coming back. So I was. Same here. Amazingly surprised by this. And it was great. That's, that's one of the things about being on a pro wrestling podcast. Sometimes you know a little too much for your own good. So uh, it may not seem like the kind of music I'm into, but I was a big Pantera. I had. Um, vulgar display of power which was the album that uh walk was on um mm -hmm. yeah that's a great song mm -hmm. i was a metallica metallica guy actually uh i hung out with a buddy who like loved metallica he had a ride the lightning shirt and i'm like what's that and uh but it was right around the time where the black album came out and the black album like pfft, 
kind of blew me away. I was in Boy Scouts and I'd be like in a tent <laughs> in the woods listening to the fucking Black Album when I was like nice. in fourth grade, 11, 10, 11 years old. That's awesome. So that was that was uh that was an interesting time. I think the, <laughs> learning I think... How, getting merit badges and headbanging. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I was gonna say I think the hardest core that I was all into was when ACDC did Thunderstruck. That was like my favorite song, but I, like I didn't. I was like a but BG's Neil Diamond fan, so I, oh, yeah. I'm not even hey. I'm not even in your league right now. So nothing wrong with those two either. I'm a big Neil guy, huge Gary, Neil guy. I got many of his albums on vinyl, actually. Gary, that doesn't surprise me about you though, because I don't know if you've ever seen. There's like a concert video of them performing at Donington in like 1991, oh, and they open yeah. with Thunderstruck, and you kind of oh. look like the drummer. I'm telling wow. you, I watched a thing on. Uh, um, when we were doing, when I was doing a little research for you guys, I was watching some YouTube clips uh, for this uh, podcast, and I, I happened to to land on one that was like the the greatest uh, rock intro songs for a concert, and it was number one was this was ACDC Thunderstruck, and wow. my God, I got the chills listening to, and it was a recent version of it, um, so like they're. A little bit, you know, not the voice isn't quite there, but it's still like thunder. Like it, it the whole place was just rocking. It I mean, really I mean, if like at their prime, that probably would be the coolest thing that you could ever see on the planet oh, at that time. I couldn't. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would love to have experienced that song live and just the way that. The, I mean, yeah, they think Taylor Swift, you know, did a seismic. uh collision in mm-hmm. seattle but I, I guarantee thunderstruck had a few of theirs in their times so. oh i believe it i believe it all right well we got to introduce the rest of the fellas over there you heard him already he's a big pantera guy but he also likes to keep it freshly squeezed matt michael sam what up matt oh, man I never thought I'd catch myself doing a Jeff Jarrett intro. Uh, it was, no. it was great. Perfect. I was so, I'm so proud of him. Like, <sighs> so proud of you. Yeah, thanks. He is the best fact, one for the you're coming, you're coming around, man. You're coming around to the well, Memphis chaos. That's a longtime listener before you were, uh, uh, you know, on the staff here, Gary. You probably remember the when Matt was wrong in the past and talked about Don Callis being... Oh yeah, didn't get it, and and now he's one of Don Callis's biggest fans. So I think um, I I'll never let Matt live that down ever. No. And with that, this has been the lore of Keep the Kayfabe, because <laughs> we don't have Charlie's yeah. Corner anymore, right? I know, man. Well, I mean, it's speedo season and it's hot, hot, hot out there. Record temperatures. He's I mean, doing it. He's doing his little turn on the catwalk. Oh, dude, he's he is selling out. Yeah. Uh, underwear stores, catalogs, and online breaking the internet. Charlie Michael, we miss him. Hopefully, we can get him back for a little bit, though. Maybe for the prediction show for this pay per view that we have coming up. So that'd be fun. All right, he's doing his go. little turn on the catwalk. <laughs> right side, right. Fred, baby, love it. All right, he kind of looks like right said Fred a little bit, and he's down in Ohio. The man with the golden pipes. Gary Williams, what up, Gary? I want to tell a story about a place you don't want to be. Yes. It's no no sweet home. It's a home sweet misery. We knew when we got here, they'd try to put us away. But when they see us walk the street, they walk the other way. Mm, Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. 
Nice. Bad Street in the USA. Bad Street, nasty and hot. The further down the block you went, the further it got better. Oh, wow. Man. The extended cut. We <laughs> love extended it. cut. The free birds. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you got to let let it play, you baby. You got to let it go. I, the spirit was moving me, baby. The spirit was moving. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, we just said it's hot, hot, hot out there. Imagine being down in like Atlanta or Texas or, you know, we're at Memphis in a big wrestling town and you got a 30 foot Cadillac. It's hot out, mm-hmm, arm baby. out the window, no AC, no power steering. But all you got is that song on cassette yeah. rolling down the most popular street in your city. I mean, you are getting laid full show, right? <laughs> Especially with Steve's shirt on. If you had Steve's shirt on, oh yeah, the oh, one God. that he's—I'm sorry, really sorry—you can't see it, our listeners, but it's quite um, machismo. Well, at least yeah. we already—I mean, I would say we'd have to put the explicit uh, label on it if we showed this, but uh, we already have that on the sh- on the show, so. And a serious yeah, tip to our listeners, uh, this is not a video podcast, but tonight, the first time, I think we might have to look into YouTube because we are missing some be. gold tonight. I would be turning on monetization yeah. immediately for this. It's kind of like a cross between um, Jeff Hardy's shirt-ish, and then, yeah, like I said, kind of like an extra in Aladdin, the wardrobe. If only you didn't have the... Um, the wife beater underneath so we could maybe see those nips pop out a little bit uh yeah because it is a see-through shirt as you can see mm-hmm. yeah well thank goodness I can, I can only see so much so yeah and when you yeah, look yeah, through yeah. it it looks like you're oh. robbing a bank it does yeah. <laughs> it's nice well hey. you know you might say that i've introduced this to a whole new world oh. <laughs> this Perfect. shows off the rails we haven't even gotten started oh man <laughs> Well, let's get us back on the rails, and very appropriately, there's going to be a lot of people riding the rail, better yet, the tube, to Wembley Stadium for all-in in in, um, London, England. I mean, this has been something that was announced that already got, like, huge... like huge participation right off the bat. And I remember us texting in the group thread and being like, wow, this show's already got 40,000 tickets sold. That's pretty good. And it's like the third day or something like that. No matches have been announced yet. I mean, we know London is like a huge wrestling place. Those people love to get buckled and just chant and just go to a public like competition. I mean, they've wild out at soccer games, obviously, but I mean, we saw it with NXT UK and, you know, some other shows that have been over there, they show up and they have these huge facilities to pack the people in. They got the public transit system where it's like, load them up like cattle, throw them over to Wembley, get them nice and drunk, drunk, excuse me, and put them in Wembley stadium to watch one of the biggest wrestling events in the history of the world. We all know that WrestleMania three uh, broke a lot of records. And then uh, more recent was when they built AT&T stadium in Dallas. I, I can't remember the number of WrestleMania that was, but that was supposed to be the biggest crowd in attendance, but we know they fudged the numbers a little bit in the current day, probably of all time. I mean, let's be honest. There's no lion and there's no hiding in Wembley to fudge these numbers because the thing is almost sold out. It's incredible. And we're only seeing the matches be announced right now. Because last night, uh, we mentioned it a little bit that RVD came out. 
Uh, we're seeing uh, a few between um, MJF and Adam Cole, a once great friendship and tag team that sets up our later topic for the evening. They're, they want to have a match in Wembley. I mean, CM Punk was on collision the other night saying, like throwing somebody out there. We don't really know exactly what's going on, but uh, we know it's going to be big. So, but what what about these numbers, Steve? I mean, you you threw down some statistics yeah. for us before we hit the record button tonight. Yes, if you allow me, um, a reading from the Gospel of Dave Meltzer, because oh. uh, he said, and I quote: "This was a few days ago, mind you, so the numbers probably have changed." Tomorrow or Wednesday could be the day they top WrestleMania three, which would put them number four all time, which they'd still be behind Dallas, which you just mentioned. And then some show in Athens in 1934, and then the Wembley Athens? show that Athens, Athens, Greece in 1934, there was a match, and it wasn't uh, the Olympics. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. But and then the other one ahead of them is um, Wembley Stadium in '92 when it was uh, Bret Hart and Davy Boy. Uh, but he said it's virtually a lock; they're going to beat all of them on the way. So. Um, he thinks it's pretty safe to say they're going to get there and it'll, it would be the largest recorded crowd for pro wrestling of all time. So before they even announce, well, now it's one, but uh, before they even announce the card, I mean, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not bad for a, as triple H would call it a secondary promotion. Yeah. Only breaking literally world records of the whole entire world. And who the fuck is counting heads in Athens, Greece in 1934 is what I'd like to know. They didn't even have those yeah. little clickers or any turnstiles. They're like, all right, um, let them in. <laughs> they, they, they base it off of how many euros were sold that night, I bet. Never mind. Cola, Cabriani, and Jim Londos had a match in Athens in 1934. There's some history for you. <laughs> Oh, cool. Oh my god. Even this professor of wrestling did not know that one. Wow. Because you know your place when it comes to the great Dave Meltzer. <laughs> Absolutely. Too my funny. longtime personal friend and listener of the show. <laughs> but think about that, Gary. I mean, you probably I mean, you love wrestling deeply. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are witnessing something in your lifetime mm-hmm. uh for something that you care about deeply. What are your feelings about this? Like, are you stoked? You know, last night, I got to be honest with you, The when they announced the main event, I got literally chills. Like, I I don't know why. I just thought it was really cool. Like, I, I think it's going to be, you know, MJF, Adam Cole. I think it's going to be a phenomenal match. And I think mm-hmm. that both the angle is, is, is a tale as old as time, but I can't wait to see what ends up happening with it. Um, but I also, but you also know that there's going to be some other phenomenal matches and, and, and that's what I'm just really excited about. Okay, guys, I got a, I got an idea and it might be uh, a pipe dream, but all great dreams start with a pipe. Sometimes, uh, you just mentioned MJF and Adam Cole as the main event at Wembley in London, what is other than the Beatles, the biggest rock band to ever live? The Rolling mm-hmm. Stones. Oh, I thought you were going to say Banana Rama. Mick Jagger it, comes out and sings "Sympathy oh, for the Devil" God. for oh, MJF God. to come out because Tony oh, Khan Gary. paid him fifty million dollars or something like that. 
like he he's making money off of this. There's almost 80,000 tickets sold. I mean, yeah. it's big, oh big, God. big money. And they're already fucking rich. Uh, Mick Jagger, like, did the WWE ever get Mick Jagger? No, I know. They could take me out. They would just take me out because I would be in heaven. Like, it would mark out. Like, and and Mick, I mean, Mick is like way over his, um, you know, his due of what he needs to do. If he wants to collect a check and have some fun and just get $30 million for 30 seconds of singing uh, one of his own songs, so uh, let's go. Hello. Uh, sounds I mean, good. You know, that is a million dollar is the people, prediction. The people would go bananas. Even for the recording, they would go bananas because that's, Fuck yeah. that would be so cool. <laughs> Oh my God! That was... He's already over there. Yeah. If, he's or- if Mick Jagger's already over there, give all the money. Just, just do it. Just you know, this is Tony shameless, Khan's world. Shameless plug, Mick. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. Just volunteer your time, buddy. You, it, it's well worth it for you. Well worth it for you. This would be almost, you know, one of the all-time great predictions on Keep the Kayfabe was uh, Mike throwing it out there that uh, Darby <laughs> Allen would be CM Punk's uh, number first, first opponent, and you know. Some of us ridiculed him to no end, and it turned out to be An true. Underwear this, would, model. this would be up there. This would, this is like a million dollar prediction. When it comes I, to predicting things that don't even exist yet, Mike has a one hundred percent. Mike, whatever's in your pipe, keep smoking because I think it, I hey. think you're onto something. I think you're onto something. I love the support, gentlemen, and I will because you know what, wrestling—that's what it is. It's it is. art. It's ideas. It's put mm-hmm. into motion to make people happy. And it wouldn't is. that be so perfect? And honestly, it would be something that Vince McMahon could never do. Who's also getting slapped with a, a subpoena uh, recently, yeah, too. Just like so. his buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Shit is hitting the fan. But you know what? We don't even need to focus on that kind of negativity because we have this huge pay-per-view coming up. Any final thoughts on it, Matt, that we didn't get to? I mean... Now that you threw Mick Jagger out there, I just can't help but fantasy book the rest of the show, right? Like last night Mm -hmm. it was announced at the time of this recording, at least it was announced MJF versus Adam Cole in a baby face versus baby face match. Um, Amazing dynamic. Like the first time around with these two, honestly, I think we talked about it. It felt really flat, I think leading up to the match and even in the match, but man, I am so up for this now. I mean, it's it's so much better than I think they could have even dreamt of at this point. Just unreal with the whole story that kind of came out of nowhere. But hey, that's MJF for you, right? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I am blown away by the number of tickets that have been sold. When they first announced this show, I, deep down I had a feeling they would probably sell Wembley because it's AEW. They've like, they, they always do crazy things yeah. and pull it off. But I when it catches it. on, then it just like right. naturally builds momentum. It's just the nature of the beast with that company, eh? Totally. But you would, I, I never would have thought it would have been the it would have been the biggest wrestling show of all time. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. Wembley, and sure, it has the potential to be, but man, pretty exciting. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. actually been in that stadium before, boys. Really? I uh, really? I. I, I I studied abroad in London for a summer in 2007. What was her name? <laughs> yeah. Thinking, well, man. actually, her name was Katie. It actually uh, kind of oh. relates with the story that's coming up here. So I actually, I, so when I studied abroad in London, I didn't get a cell phone because I wanted to be kind of off the grid, like really immerse myself, blah, blah, blah. Nice. I was, I was, you know, connecting with friends on Facebook, on the computer, go about my day. But anyway, we got a ticket to 
concert for Diana. Elton John was headlining it. Wow. Uh, fuck. I mean, Lily Allen was there. I mean, fucking. I mean, there was. I think Kanye was there. There's a lot of artists. It was a big deal. But it was like right when Wembley opened, too. I saw a friendly between England and Brazil the day that I landed there. And that was cool. I've never seen more people drunk. It was like a Jimmy Buffett concert without the tropical music, but <laughs> 10 times as drunk, which is crazy. Nice. You know, picture that. It was awesome. Um, and then, but this concert for Diana, I go out the night before. And uh, I ended up going back to uh, a British lady's uh, apartment that night. It was pretty, pretty wild. And um, it was funny. I was in a pub and I was just hearing some live music. I actually just left like a club with my friends. I was like, "Ah, I don't want to be here anymore. I just kind of went off by my own, had a drink, listened to this cover band, met this girl. Uh, Yeah, her name was Katie, I I believe. And uh, she's like, I hate Americans. I'm like, yeah, me too. And she's like, <laughs> where are you from? And I'm like, America. Oh, my God. And, you know, she loved me right then and there. No, no, no. And then, like, we were running all over the city. And then we go back to her friend's apartment. And there's the cover band that's playing. They're over there. So we're up at night. And uh, my wife's calling me. So we better wrap this story up. Yeah, nothing really bad <laughs> happened. Nothing crazy happened. Um, so- but uh, I made everybody late to concert for Diana because I didn't have a cell phone and we were all supposed to meet up to go to this concert. And I was late because I was, you know, I was snuggling in the morning. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So they were trying to get a hold of me. They're like, where the fuck is Mike? And I made everybody late. The Prince Harry and Prince William were supposed to come out on stage and address the crowd and all the girls that I was with. I was the only guy in the whole crew and it was all nice. girls. And they're like, uh, you bastard, you made us miss the princess and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. The bus broke down. Somebody stepped onto the rails and, right. you know, like I made up a story. I didn't tell <laughs> them about the girl. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, fond memories of London. And it is going to be a time and a half times seven, I believe, when this pay-per-view goes down. So awesome stuff. We talked about MJF, Mick Jagger, and Adam Cole. Uh, that is a rivalry that began as a friendship, but is budding into something that will be one of the greatest matches. And that was pretty much the same story here um, in Milwaukee, where there was a tag team between Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage 35 years ago, and they went by the Mega Powers, one of the coolest. I mean, literally, the mega powers of the world. Two of the most popular wrestlers on the planet. The two popular, most popular wrestlers, basically. Teaming up. Why would you do that? But, I mean, fuck. Wouldn't it be fun if they did? And mm-hmm. they, they did great. They promo great together. They had that handshake that was real slow. And they went yeah, come in still and lock <laughs> it up. And, I mean, they pro- who was squeezing each other's hand tighter when they did that? Oh, Definitely Shit. Hulk Hogan squeezing Randy Savage's head because that's why Randy Savage would also go, <laughs> ooh, all the time. Uh, yeah. so, just like, imagine Hulk Hogan shaking your hand. you make that noise, too. I would, oh, and I have. <laughs> Dude, don't give it to me. It, it, that's probably like putting your hand in a bear trap. But anyway, I love that handshake. Um, But this was where um, this tag team actually disbanded. 
It was in the Bradley Center, which was, I think, freshly built as well. Yes, because Vince kicked off the show by calling it the state-of-the-art Bradley Center. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the reason the Bradley Center was built was because we thought we were getting a hockey team, the St. Mm -hmm. Louis Blues. Mm -hmm. And that hockey team never solidified. And my life would be totally different today if we did get that hockey team, but it's okay. I'm okay with it. Uh, but we got the Bradley Center. The Bucks played there. Marquette games. Lots of great memories. But maybe the biggest event that happened there was the disbandment of Hulk Hogan, Ra- Macho Man Randy Savage, the Mega Powers. Fucking a Gary. Tell me about this. Well, I mean, this is where this is the connection that I think is a really important part of the storyline builds that we are seeing right now in with MJF and Adam Cole. And it actually dates back to uh, this. And, and there's actually a couple previous to this where you have these bitter rivals. They don't get along. They're not, you know, they're at each other's throats. And then all of a sudden something, something unites them, brings them together only for them to eventually fizzle. Now, some that we'll probably talk about tonight actually won championships together, whereas others, like in the Mega Powers situation, you know, they ended up, you know, feuding. Near, you know, they they got together. They had some a couple of rest, you know, a couple of tag team matches. Then eventually, they had the big combustible moment. And so, um, but it, it is not a unique storyline, um, actually. We can go back just a little bit further. And in fact, uh, Steve and I chronicled one of these when we did, um, which hasn't dropped yet, but will drop soon, the 1982 uh, year in Professional Wrestling Review. One of the most classic ones of these was the Freebirds and the Von Erics. Um, They were huge, huge, huge in Texas in 1982. Um, And it was... um, and. The Freebirds had come from um, the Georgia territory. The Von Erichs were establishing themselves as these white meat baby faces, just huge, huge, huge draws. And in essence, they um, they end up having a uh, uh, there ends up being this huge card at the end of 1982 called uh, Star Wars Wrestling Star Wars for uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. And on that card, you want to talk about unbelievable storytelling so previously on that card there is a six-man tag match in which um buddy roberts from the freebirds allegedly didn't make the town because he um, got caught in a snowstorm in denver so david von eric substitutes in and helps the freebirds win the the six-man tag team championships terry gordy literally in tears michael hayes they're hugging and all this stuff not even one hour later, Michael Hayes turns on Kerry Von Erich in the cage against Ric Flair, and Terry Gordy slams his head into um, into the cage door. Wow. So this then sparked this unbelievable feud. But same type of concept where you have these, you know, the bad guys from Georgia were coming in, but and they were kind of parallel with the Von Erichs, and then all of a sudden they come together and they're just, and then whammo, like. And that when the shoe drops, it's been, it always is absolutely, uh, you know, not only catastrophic, but the fireworks are amazing. And it's just, 
you know it's happening you know it you know as a wrestling fan these things are going to happen just like we're we're all speculating how this mjf uh and adam cole thing is going to go but in some of these in the past and you know the more old school past and then also in the more wwe past they slow played some of these and tried to melt them for as long as they could but you know the mega powers themselves was is probably the most famous uh feuding tag teams that come together and then blow up again but there was at least one and and if we have time there was a couple more from that era that actually also kind of like one in particular may have led into Hogan's using of that storyline. And, and that was from his time in the AWA. But I know that uh, for each of us, we've all kind of experienced these stories in a different, this type of story in a different way. And I'd be curious what some of your favorite ones are as well. Um, and then maybe, you know, uh, being able to share these, you know, we can help the fans a little bit understand just how awesome this story really is, because especially today, the art of longer term storytelling, as we're seeing with Roman Reigns and the Usos, and now in this case with MJF and um, Adam Cole, it's almost a lost art. But but when it's happening, it's so magical. What are what are your guys' thoughts? I couldn't agree more. Um, as you were talking about this, I started thinking to myself, what other rivalries? or allies turned rivals or rivals turned allies or unlikely pairings can I think of from wrestling years past? And uh, Gary, you and Steve, I mean, needless to say, do a phenomenal job taking everyone back to the 80s, the glory days of like wrestling actually being like, is it real? Uh, but if you fast forward maybe 15, 20 years from there, it's still questionable if you're a naive 12-year-old like me. And one of the tag teams that I remember seeing that made me think this was what was called at the time the rock and sock connection mm. where we yes. had fully and the rock teamed up together it was at the time supposed to be i think a feel-good story between the two and it definitely was mick foley was the king besides hardcore wrestling he was also the king of feel-good moments and really like wholesome storytelling which is so crazy to think because that is not at all what he's known for but I want to say about a year prior to The Rock and Mick Foley getting together as a team, I want to say it was like sometime in 1999 where they had a match where Mick Foley's hands at one point were handcuffed mm. behind his back. Yeah, and The Rock gave him, what was it, like 11 unprotected chair shots. Unreal. I, it's, you know, one of those things that I, I frankly don't ever go back and watch. No. It's just, it's too much. Like by anyone's standard, even today, I mean... I, you know, I shouldn't say that because there is a lot of excessiveness in wrestling today. I mean, look at AEW, John Moxley specifically. But thinking back to those days, like chair shots, I mean, they've really dialed it back. And this was about oh, the yeah. peak of just we didn't know what we didn't know at the time. Um, but yeah, those two were I, personally, I wasn't a huge fan of when they actually got together. I just thought it felt a little forced, a little weird. But the crowds ate it up at shows. And I don't know if that's still what happens a lot with wrestling, you know, because a lot of times you'll see matches on TV where you just kind of shrug. But when you're there in person, it's a whole different experience. So getting back, though, to The Rock and The Sock as, or Mick Foley, whatever you want to call them, that was probably one of my favorite, I would say, feel-good teams of the very early 2000s. Do, do you guys happen to remember this at all? Were you even oh. watching at the time? Oh, absolutely. Uh 
I loved the the comedy playoff. I mean, I'm and Matt, you know, just from our from our from our interactions together, like I'm a huge Jeff Jarrett comedy fan. Like I love those types of like chaotic. It's it's basically old school Memphis booking, which is chaotic and with comedy and all that stuff. But some of the some of the ways The Rock just completely mocked <laughs> Mick Foley, and yet it, it was just absolutely beautiful. And um, and I think that that's part of this. And in and to go back to what I think is really the most important thing is connecting it to today. That's part of the beauty of the storyline of Adam Cole and MJF. I mean, think about the 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 spot in the restaurant, right? Like, I mean, there's. There were other tag teams. I'm sure, Steve, you remember another one, another couple like that, where they did these vignettes that made just, it made it amazing. And so it almost didn't matter if that was good wrestling or not, because the story was emotionally positive and it was really telling. I mean, Steve, what what are some of your uh, memories of these types of uh, non-alliance alliances? I mean, just a couple pop in my head, like, uh, like, I swear they did a vignette. They might have even done a restaurant one. But remember when Gold Dust and Booker T teamed oh. up? I mean, I think they <laughs> yes. won gold, right? But I mean, that was another like these guys do yeah. not go together, and they totally made it work. And it's funny, Texas think, boys, yeah. And then, um, um, Daniel Bryan and um, Kane again. Oh. And it's funny, everyone we're mentioning, even though like you know, like the the Rock one kind of got grim and ugly like for the match that you mentioned um and cole mjf's probably going to get ugly um for these things to work seems to have to have a heavy dose of comedy because every one of those examples we've given actually with the exception of the mega powers um was very comedic while they were you know getting over their awkwardness and all that yeah uh, yeah that's a the the kane daniel bryan was hilarious like again like an, the the vignettes they did with the with the counseling sessions and everything were just they were just classic and and yet you know again it was this you know and and i think a lot of us even to some degree were kind of like what's going on with this eliminator tournament like what are they doing like why yeah. are they and yet you know like as much as we were like, eh, I'm sure we all, everyone is like, what's going on? Just think of a couple things that kind of came from this. Brian Cage and, and um, Brian Cage and um, Big Bill, Big Bill. Mm-hmm. emerged from this, and I, I love the team. Like, I think they've got a lot of potential going down. And then, you know, and just kind of understanding that a lot of these types of experiments can really work, but to some degree the the more recent ones from the wwe if you want to go back even a little bit further in the 1982-83 awa days which was a huge milwaukee territory um believe it or not hulk hogan had um had another very interesting um former foe who he became who he had to become partners with um, so he could beat the Heenan family in order to get a shot at the title for Nick Bockwinkel's AWA championship. So previously in the early 80s, Hogan and Andre were bitter rivals, Andre being a good guy, 
Hogan being the bad, the heel. And then fast forward a couple couple years, and Andre is making his way around the territory circuit and is brought into the AWA to be Hogan's tag team partner against Bobby Heenan, Blackjack, um, uh, Mulligan, uh, and the Heenan family. And that was the only way Hogan could then get the a shot at Nick Bockwinkel's title. And then fast forward, just thinking about that moment and then fast forwarding another, you know, four or five years and they are in the, the greatest one of the greatest, you know, uh, WrestleMania main events ever. Um, and so the storyline opportunities are pretty cool. And, you know, for me, like, this is the chase, right? This is part of the wrestling story. That's the fun part is seeing these types of pairings old or new coming together. And then watching this kind of like dance go on. Typically, typically in most of these stories, the heel finds a way to get the better hand, but it will be very fascinating to see what ends up happening because the traditional story would have the heel do something dastardly, but it is going to be really interesting to see if they throw us a curveball with this MJF Cole story. Hmm. And I'm if Mick Jagger doesn't it. come out, this match is going to suck. Suck. <laughs> no, no, it's going to be absolutely epic. I cannot wait. I'm going to weigh in real quick on my yeah. rivalry. Yes. Um, turned Alliance, and it did start off as a rivalry. And it is a name that Steve already mentioned already with Kane and Daniel Bryan, but I think it would be Kane and the Undertaker mm, yeah. first Excellent. as one of probably, I would put it up in top three greatest storylines as far as like the um, resume that and the respect that the Undertaker commands. Mm-hmm. That is probably like, other than throwing mankind off of hell in the cell in Pittsburgh, his brother coming out after the hell in the cell match that he had and like, that's gotta be Kane. And then it set up (laughs) that whole thing like that. It's like you saw, you saw this different emotion in undertaker for Mm -hmm. the first time. Like Mm -hmm. you basically shifted a character that you thought was just a machine that just plowed through people. He's a killer. He's, you can't hurt him. Like, nobody can beat the undertaker but then you saw some vulnerability in the guy mm-hmm. because you insert this guy that makes him like feel something that we all feel like for family and uh-huh. then yeah, yeah. make it a make it a fantastic like a fictional story that you can really like get into mm-hmm. and i mean this was long drawn out you would see it go back and forth uh where Kane would get over on the undertaker and vice versa. It's like, Oh no, it's, he's still the undertaker. And then they would do like these matches, like the burned alive match. I mean, oh when has that ever happened? That will never happen again. Yeah. I guarantee uh, you no. that. Uh, so that actually was something. And <laughs> I mean, we, we, we heard interviews with Jr. and Lawler being ringside where the flames, every time they hit the ropes and the flames went up like 30 feet, like the heat. I mean, yeah. who thought that would be okay to do? I don't know. But they did. Yeah. And nobody died, I don't think. At least it got covered up if they did. Like fans <laughs> in the in the front row, like Jesus. Like, <laughs> I just can't believe I'm that. I'm sure they thought it was worth it. You think of it. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I, yeah, I would if I was front row and be like, yep, I'll tell you how hot those flames are. Mm. You'd never have like eyebrows ever again. Be like, yeah. because of the <laughs> uh, burned alive match. But anyway, uh, no, but so we saw the brothers, um, Undertaker and Kane have their feud, but then they reunite later as the brothers of destruction. What that was right. their name, right? Yeah. So, I mean, who's going to stop those guys? You got the big yeah. red machine. You got the dead man. Like, who's going to stop them? They're both seven foot. They're both unstoppable when it comes to, like, they're, they're, nobody's, like, shaped up to them. So yeah. nothing would be believable. So when you put those guys together, uh, they would just run through the whole company, and they did. So mm-hmm. they're one of the more dominant tag teams of all time. So I would say, yeah, that would be the rivalry turned alliance for me that has to be at the top of the list. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and part of the story that you're talking about, which is being used in MJF and Adam Cole, is the connection, is the the constant reminder that MJF keeps saying, you're my best friend, you're my best mm-hmm. friend, you're my best friend. It's really, and, you know, he's almost like tearing up, right? Like, it's this tug at these emotions. He's He's leading the fans just the same way like you were talking about, Mike, because that brother versus brother is relatable. Like it's totally Mm -hmm. relatable to people and people can feel that when they're like a brother you didn't know is still alive. You can only imagine what your emotions are, but everyone can relate to their best friend, right? In coming together to be best friends or even even a lot of people that were bitter enemies in life become really good friends, you know, because they oh, yeah. were misunderstood. And and then all of a sudden, you know, now, so yes, that, what it, that was a great example of another ingredient that's critical to the story concept, which is that emotion of, of relatability for the fans. Word. Yeah. The, the best friend thing, uh, between Adam Cole and MJF, what's the story there? Like, is this legit? Like, how legit is this? Is this very respectable? I we know MJF respects Adam Cole, uh, but like, how how deep does it run? We don't know. I mean, here's the million dollar thing, which you uh, you alluded to earlier is um, conventional logic would dictate that MJF's going to betray him in dramatic fashion and we all know mjf is a snake i mean he told the jew boy story already with Mm -hmm. the cm punk feud and he he played it out again yesterday with you know emotions on his face he's don't believe it for a second that he's a good guy and yet adam cole has always been positioned as a smart cunning wrestler would he Mm -hmm. really be that stupid like we none of us know what's going to happen my money is that adam cole is going to get the upper hand that he's playing mjf and maybe it results in you know maybe roddy's been in on it all along maybe kyle o'reilly comes back i don't know but i don't think it's going to be your classic mjf like makes him look stupid Mm -hmm. that would be a first i feel like mjf i mean the guy has in every single program he's been in he's always come out with the upper hand at the end of it even yeah. when he loses, he comes out just smelling like a rose somehow. I mean, can you imagine if Adam Cole like just made him look like a fool? I, I, personally, I can't. I feel like that's the magic of MJF. If, if at some point you, you know, not buried the guy, but kind of almost, you know, made him the butt of the joke for once, I don't know how that would go over. 
The problem is, though, how is it going to make Adam Cole look if he's that stupid? You know what I mean? He's a real crafty, cagey, more often than not heel. I think the only reason he's a face is because of his injury. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Mike, you... That's uh, the beauty of it. You want to you wanna break the tie here? You want to weigh in on this? Yes, because <laughs> no matter the outcome of Adam Cole and MJF, I think the real winner in all of this is Burberry. And <laughs> it takes place in London. And you know how many of those fucking scarves they're going to actually sell? Oh, Burberry is going to go through the roof because I've been on those streets of London and I know where the store is. And it's it's imagine Chicago Madison Avenue. I think it's that's the shopping district. Yeah. It's like that times Las Vegas Strip without all the neon lights. Like, oh my god! Like it is gonna be electric there in Wembley. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm because of the Burberry sales. I think I'm gonna go MJF on this. Mm. I think he's gonna retain over Adam Cole, even though Adam Cole is very intelligent. There's gonna be there's gonna be some huge moves in this. Yeah. There's too many people there to not like like try to like really master this. This is their fucking Picasso. They have an opportunity to make a work of art, and they got two very capable wrestlers. One a little younger who is just absolutely past like surpasses his age and his experience level, and this will boost him into another stratosphere if they can pull this off. Uh, and then you got Adam Cole, who is like close to most, like the closest to the perfect wrestler that you can have right now. I, I mean, he gets compared to Shawn Michaels a lot, who is my favorite wrestler. And he gets compared to Shawn Michaels, like the current day Shawn Michaels would be Adam Cole. So, oh man, I mean, damn. I mean, we're kind of getting up great. there in years, but, but I kind of wish I was like 13 years old again, like, young like watching this holy shit right boys i mean i think i think a lot of you know we're all there's the the beauty of uh and matt you you mentioned this before just briefly but the beauty of the 80s wrestling was the fact that we really did think it was pretty real and and so when these stories emerged and these classic combustions occurred um it was huge huge money and it was huge money for them. It was huge, you know, and, um, and I wonder to some extent if we're not tipping off the next, the next best, um, you know, uh, a podcast theme for us in the future might be the greatest heel turns because that, that also in and of itself would be a great discussion to have. Uh, but in, in this case, you know, the, 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 the interesting ingredient is, they're making a lot of money right now on t-shirt sales and merchandise and is it really time for it to happen yet like we some of these back in the 80s and or you know 90s they went almost a year long right but think of what happened this this arranged marriage of sorts their t-shirt is one of the highest selling they're both hotter than hot right now you know what if the story continues and then the other wild card is you've got all in and then you've got all out so hmm. does the story continue how does it get you know I, I don't know i if i'm tony khan i don't i don't let this stop yet i i find a way 
for this to kind of keep bubbling and keep boiling because you've got you're printing money and you're you're mm-hmm. now granted they were printing money in Wembley without this main event, but they will sell the place out now for sure with this main event. And so the question just is, how do they keep capitalizing on it? And and if I'm Adam Cole and I'm MJF and my shirts are flying off the handles, <laughs> I I'm like, hey hey hey, give us a little bit. We can we can keep going because that don't let anyone fool you. There there is something about that. Like that's important to their livelihoods. So. Um, hey, you know what would be a cool merchandise set for MJF is if they made a Burberry soccer uniform. <laughs> oh, they might I would do get that. that. Friedman that would be cool. on the on the back, and Bur- I could see him doing like that. It's all in Burberry, like yeah. silky. I would get that for ninety dollars. I hey, if I was in the right mindset and it was available, I would get it. Mike, so, you know, you're a, you're a committed man. I remember you getting Kyrie Sane's pirate hat. Oh, yeah. Ten yes. bucks. Best 10 bucks I ever spent. That's crazy. I, Mike, I, I feel like you, if there are prop bets for Wembley, you're just bringing home all the dough on the prop bets. Like, <laughs> what are the odds that Mick Jagger shows up in support of MJF? I mean... The people in Vegas are going to laugh like, okay. And then you'll be flying out to Caesar's palace. Like, where's my money? Oh God. Hey, I don't want any money. The real payment would be just to actually see it because I think it's the right thing to do. It has to have been discussed, you know, like that's his song. It's like, and he he keeps bringing it up. Like he keeps bringing the devil devil worshipers. I know. Like, come on, dude. Mick Jagger on a big ramp in a huge place. Sing for 30 seconds and you Make get paid. Million. Like, why would you turn that away? Yeah. And I mean, people will go ballistic and it's something ballistic. that Vince McMahon would never do. I mean, the cons have buco bucks. I mean, the Jaguars are going to pop off this year uh, too. They're, they're finally not a shit team. They're actually pretty decent. They might even go into the playoffs a little deep. So they're going to be reaping a little extra dough past the regular season. So let's go all in with Mick. Make some fucking history is all I'm saying. Mick so. Jagger is all in. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And then he wrestles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. He wrestles Kazuchika Okada. Well, the yeah. only the only thing better would be is if he took a chair, if he took a, a guitar shot from Jeff Jarrett. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Oh can you imagine Jeff Jarrett hitting Mick Jagger with a guitar? That would be the greatest thing ever. Oh my oh, god! Man. I would be. I would probably die laughing. Tony Khan, if you're oh, listening man. to this, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're giving you all kinds of money makers, baby. I mean, it was so great when that Jamoke that was singing um Wild Thing got like the the super kicks. It was like, I mean, yeah, Keith Richards actual... is still alive, right? Keith yeah, Richards well, he's never alive. gonna die. Which the is drum, phenomenal. The drummer passed away, but but not Watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of them are still so, there, though. Keith yeah, Richards can't I mean. be killed by conventional weapons. <laughs> yeah, you don't need the whole band there. Uh, just get Mick. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, I, I think if you trot Keith Richards out there to play the guitar, like that's no, you don't do that because the guy probably looks probably 10 times as worse as he did 10 years ago, which was not that great. So, but I think Mick still has the chops. He still has the stamina to like get out there and do the strut and put on a show for the people. So I'm really pulling for this. Me like too. <laughs> all right cool boys well 
if there is that anything else, we're getting kind of deep into the hour uh, for our show. I gotta go to the mailbag. Please do here, and um, you know what? I'm gonna pull an audible. Let's go and listen to when the mega powers actually disbanded at Perfect. the Bradley Center, and uh, just hear the theatrics that happened and how this all led off. The because, jealous eyes. Oh my god, it it is must see TV, and it still holds up today, 35 years later. So. Let's go back and revisit when the mega powers disbanded. You wouldn't be in that spot right now. You know what I'm saying? What the heck is wrong with you, man? What do you mean with that? Why did you leave me out there? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? What is getting out there down, man? I know it's an accident. Hey, listen, let me tell you something about Hulkamania. Let me tell you something about Hulkamania. Yeah. Macho Man, this is talking to me. You're wrong, man. You're wrong. No, you're out of line. No, you're on. You're out of line. And let me tell you why you're out of line. You got jealous eyes right there. Right there, you're looking at me with jealous eyes. Because you're a former champion. Hulkamania is just now in the win. I was carrying you. I'm not number three in the Mega Powers. I'm number one. You guys got me in the backseat. You're way out of line, man. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. No. Just slow down, man. Hold on. Slow down. Wait a minute. No. You're way out of line. No, man to man. You never asked me for a title shot. You know why? You know why, Elizabeth? Because you can't beat me. You're wrong. No, you can't Man, don't touch me. You can't beat me. No, you didn't come at me like a man. You're jealous because I'm the World Wrestling Federation champion now. And I'm going to be a long time from now. This is, no, you didn't come at me. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm going to tell you what you're wrong about more than anything else. No, I'm going to tell you what you're wrong about more than anything else. I can take anything. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Those eyes right there. Those eyes. Lust Elizabeth. You understand that? You got my face. You got lust for Elizabeth right there. And I'm going to tell you, it makes me sick. I can't even stand and look at you. You turn my guts to do. If you wanted to come at me man to man for the belt, I would beat you one, two, three. That would be okay. Try and talk some sense into this guy, man. Try and talk some sense into it. Oh, big time. Well, there you have it. Unbelievable stuff. It's great booking. Great booking. (laughs) Yeah. They booked it right that night. I I remember watching. That's great booking. That's great booking. I remember watching it live um, because it was was the main event, the second main event. Because um, the first main event on the Friday night was... Hogan, Andre were, they had the switcheroo with the referee, but this was the second. And you want to talk about just an oddball pairing. They were wrestling Akeem and the big boss man and why, and with slick, like you put those three people together. There's, I mean, there's no way you were, there's no way that was on anyone's bingo card at any <laughs> point. Um, but it was, it was just such a unbe- unbelievable moment. And, Elizabeth played the card great. And I just, I, you know, because you see the brick in the back. I mean, that's the Bradley Center, mm-hmm. man. Right? That was the back of the Bradley Center. It was the the foyer. And it's just a great, great memory. But but yeah, what what great um, cinematography, cine, cine, cinematography of sorts for a wrestling angle to end. Stephen Gary, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but... For Mike, I have to imagine, Mike, were your parents 
like I know you've had trouble watching pro wrestling as a young child, but if your parents had to choose a wrestler from that era, who was it? And why was it Randy Macho Man Savage? <laughs> My parents? Yeah, I feel like everyone in our generation, their parents were super into Randy Savage and the kids were super into Hulk Hogan and yeah. there was no crossover. Fuck, man. Well, I didn't even eat junk food either. So my dad wasn't even eating Slim Jims or anything like that. So there was no edge there. Honestly, I would probably take uh, my mom was a hairdresser. So I would honestly think my mom would be more into Hogan just for that silky straight down look with the bald around. She's probably she probably hated the haircut, but she had to respect the uh, the the wash and conditioning Mm -hmm. of it all and the shine. So I would honestly, I would take my my parents to go more Hulkster. Dude, I don't even know. Like, why? Why don't parents let their kids watch more wrestling? Like, especially in that time, the golden era. I'm not mad at them, but I just don't understand it. Why weren't they watching it? Well, I think I think to some degree, I know, at least in my household. uh, Well, my dad, Steve, you know, dad liked um Steve and I, obviously, I, and many of you know, grew up together. So we're, our families were very interchangeable of sorts. And so, uh, you know, my dad was a little bit off, <laughs> a little bit of a screwball at times, but he loved George the Animal Steel. Oh, he my loved, God. He, he loved going. Hey, it, it, he imitated him to the very end. This, that does not end. surprise me. And I haven't known you as long as Steve. Yeah. So I mean, it was pretty cool. But he, he also liked the Macho Man. I would say that. But but yeah, for some reason, Hogan... I think part of the the lack of appeal for Hogan for the for an older generation is the fact that it's probably the same thing that he struggled with when he was coming up is he wasn't a good wrestler. Like he was just this mm-hmm. big kind of like cartoonish figure and it wasn't like wrestling, you know, and so. I don't know, Steve. Mean Gene, how, how, your dad. Your dad. Was oh, he liked all the baby faces he, back then. He did, it was like yeah. kind of annoying. He was a big Hogan fan. <laughs> I mean, who's a good and, guy? Why, well, that's how my dad was. He, I mean, my dad was yeah. your par- your you know prototype wrestling fan. He loved the baby faces, hated the heels. Um, that's that. somewhat has changed nowadays because there are an occasional heel he just can't deny that he's entertained by, but uh, yeah. still mostly likes the baby faces because he watches all like he watches more wrestling than I do. He watches every WWE and every AEW show. No shit. He's a nice. he's a he's a model citizen. That's, That's where lot. I got my fandom to the from. show. What was that? Does he listen to the show? No, he doesn't because he I, it would it would take an effort of God to like. Teach him how to use a podcast. And I, I can't even watch Collision and we host a wrestling podcast. Yeah, we've noticed. <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why I said that. Steve turns heel at the end of episode one three. Yeah. By the way, what episode is this? The heel turn. The heel turn. I'm gonna put Matt through a window. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just wondering if I had to tame back my stories about uh, you know, going to pubs after Kate? hours at yeah, so just keep it. I want to be a baby face for your dad because I don't want to be like a heel. Oh, don't worry about it. He'll never man. hear this. Right. Well, you know, I like to just try to do these three things because it is the way to live. I oh, yeah? feel like to be a great baby face. Hmm. Go I think on. it's just, yeah. Don't leave us I hanging. Mean, all, all the baby faces that pretty much existed did these three things. Hey, man, don't tease me. Just tell me, what is it? 
Why are you jerking us around? <laughs> I feel like there's this common thread where literally all of them stay humble, stay hungry, and stay hard. Oh, t- <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> I've been around for a long, long many a man's soul Hey.